Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. We're in the book of Philippians, and we're going to go to chapter 3 tonight, and look at verses 3, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And he begins his chapter with some great, great advice. Here's what he says. Whatever happens, rejoice. No matter what you face, rejoice. No matter what's going on in your life, you have reason to rejoice. Well, Pastor, I don't have anything to sing about. Yes, you do. You got to rejoice. And it's not an option. Always be joyful. It's it's there. It's all through this book. Notice what he says. Verse 1, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. It's easier to have faith when you've got joy than it is when you're a sourpuss all the time, complaining all the time. There should always be joy. In fact, I'll I'll put it to you this way. If you're doing something and there's no joy in it, then it's not God. Oh, well, you sure? Yeah, there's only two things you got to look for. Number one, am I doing what God wants? If I'm not doing what God wants, there's no joy. But if I'm doing what God wants me to do, it's easy to be joyful. Well, what if I'm doing what God wants? Well, listen very closely. Then the problem's you and your attitude and the way you're looking at things. And so it's one of those two things. Either I'm not where God wants me to be doing what God wants me to be, and therefore I'm struggling with some things and it's hard to be joyful, or I've just got a rotten attitude, my heart's not where it needs to be, and I'm doing what God wants me to do, because you can be doing what God wants and the problem's you. Okay? And so he says, look, whatever happens, whatever you go through, whatever's happening, and there's struggles going on that he's writing to them about. That's why he's writing them. He says, look, no matter what you're facing, I want you to know something. You have reason to rejoice in the Lord. Okay, all I'm hearing is rain, folks. That's just, we need it. It's good, but, uh, you know, so whatever happens, rejoice. And that's what he says. Be joyful. Going through hard times, rejoice. Going through great times, rejoice. Because you and I have to understand, I hope we know this by now, our relationship with God is not built on our circumstances. What I'm going through and what I'm facing and what I'm dealing with and what I'm doing isn't the source of my joy. My joy is there because of my relationship with God. He's going to really focus in on this when we get to the end of these verses here. So whatever happens, rejoice. Whenever bad things come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. The New Testament is just full of that over and over and over again. Christians should be the happiest people in the world. We always have something to rejoice about. Uh, Maybe I just need to stay here and keep going, but I'll move on. Secondly, watch out for the dogs. Somebody's going to let the dogs out. 
We don't know who, but watch out for them. And so that's what he says. Now, it's very clear, verse 2. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Because the dogs will steal your joy. And Paul is using a term that these people understand and they know because dogs were what the Pharisees called the Gentiles. If you weren't a Jewish person, you were a dog. You were only fit for the scraps from the table, you know? And they mutilate themselves and they have no heart for God. He's saying they go through an outward ceremony, but that doesn't get them anywhere or do anything, and they don't have what it takes to serve God, and they're going to steal your joy. And so what you will hear about or talk, read about sometimes is these people were called Judaizers. It was one of the big uh, sources of conflict in the early church. You see, from the very beginning, the church has had conflict. Don't think that's new. From the very beginning, the church parted ways in some places. Don't believe that's new. And the conflict was over this. This Judaizers, what they were, they were people, Pharisees, the religious people, who believed that you should keep the Old Testament law and do everything it said as well as believe in Jesus. So you keep the law and you believe in Jesus. And Paul's writing and says, look, you can't do both. If you're going to say, I have to be circumcised to keep the law in order to be a Christian, you're wrong. That's not true. All I need to do to be a Christian is believe in Jesus. And these Judaizers were coming in to the early church, people who accepted Christ and said, fine, you can accept Christ, but you still need to be obedient to what the Old Testament tells us to do and all of our rules and laws and everything else. And so he says, you watch out for them because they may talk good, but what they're saying is evil. They may sound logical and they may make sense but what they're saying is not the gospel. And they'll steal the joy from you trying to get you to follow their ways, which is not the right way. And there's a lot of people who take what is the right way and try to add stuff to it, which makes it the wrong way. And so he says, watch out for the dogs. They, they, you know, they just do evil because what they're saying is right true. They, they say you've got to do this to be saved. You don't. And for people growing up, New Testament times, growing up with Old Testament law, can you understand the, how easy it would be for them to be confused? And they'd come in and play on that. It brought destruction into the New Testament church. Paul was constantly have to deal with this. In fact, there's a meeting that goes on in the, in the church world between Paul and Peter over some of these very same issues. And they had to sort it through. We good? Next, worship God by the Spirit. Worship God by the Spirit. So he says, look, circumcision is an 
act that you perform. It is something that you have to do. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Now, he's going to make a big play here, which speaks volumes to them, and also should say something to us as well. We put no confidence in human effort. So, we don't listen to the flesh, we listen to the Spirit. We don't have to follow that way of teaching. We have the Spirit within us who has, who has cut away our flesh. Colossians 2.11, here's the great explanation. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. So, not something we did, but something Christ has done in us. And when you look at how you live your life, the things happening in your life, Jesus Christ gets the credit, not you and I, because we put no confidence in human effort. Well, I was this way, I did this. We don't put that confidence there. And so Paul writes to them and says, look, they want to have you do some form of external thing because the law was basically a set of external rules, wasn't it? You do this, you don't do this, you got to do this, you can't walk this far, you got to eat this meat, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this and this, and it had all these rules. But when you come to Christ, it's a spiritual issue. He does something on the inside of us. So if we have Christ on the inside of us, we will do what God wants us to do. That makes sense? That if I have Christ in me, I then act in the way I need to act. I can then love in the way I need to love. I can then have the fruit that I need to have. When that isn't being done, it's not because I got to try harder. It's simply that I have to understand what Christ has done in me and what he's doing in me. So he's addressing this head on. He says, look, I want you to understand something. There's some problems going on. I know it, you know it. There's conflict. These people are coming into the church. They're giving you a gospel that isn't the gospel. They're trying to get you to believe something and lead you astray. Whatever you're going through, though, rejoice. (laughs) Rejoice in the midst of church problems. That's a novel idea. Rejoice in your differences of opinion. But whatever you do, don't let these dogs lead you away. Don't let those that are trying to shape things and make things get the best of you. We live by the Spirit. And who the Spirit and the Son has set free, we're free. And so he tells them that. Now, he's going to give an illustration. The illustration is going to be himself. He says, these people want you to come in and perform this act. Let me tell you what that does. And so he's going to get very personal here, and he's going to start giving them a list of things that they need to look out for. And he says, okay, you want to play that game? I can play that game better than anyone. So he says, worthless accomplishments should be rejected. Worthless accomplishments should be rejected. So I'm going to go through this kind of slow because I want you to understand it because he really lays it on the table here. Number one, 
verse 4, though I ha- could have confidence in my own effort. You know, not, not the spirit in me, my own effort. If anyone could, I could. You want to play the game of who could do it? I can do it. He says, look, if, if others have reason for confidence in the flesh or in their efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old, which was the thing. After the seventh day, that was very much the way it was, what was supposed to be. So he's circumcised. And here's what you learn. Ceremonies don't save you. Now, we got a water baptismal service coming up another week plus a little bit. You should be baptized in water. If you're a Christian, there is no reason for you not to be baptized. Well, I'm afraid of water. Well, we need to talk about your cleansing habits then, I guess, if you never use water. And I, I, we've never lost anybody yet in the baptismal tank that I know of. All right? We have all kinds of excuses, don't we? But baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is just you being willing to say to the world, I've accepted Christ, and I've got nothing to hide, and I'm proud of it. And the Bible's pretty clear. Jesus was baptized by immersion. If you're a Christian, you should be baptized. Well, I was sprinkled when I was a kid. You didn't have a choice in that matter. Baptism is about your choice that you've made. And you make the choice. So, you know, just because you're baptized doesn't mean isn't going to save you. Just like if you graduate from high school, that doesn't necessarily make you smart. Okay? So, he says, you know, I was eight days old. Eight days old. And then he says, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Okay? Being an American doesn't save you. Being a Republican doesn't save you. Being a Democrat doesn't save you. Being something else doesn't save you. But here's what he says. He says, you know what? I'm pure-blooded citizen of Israel through and through. So I was baptized when I I was circumcised when I should have been. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. And let me back up. A member of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, the tribe of Benjamin is kind of unique because it's the youngest of the tribes. Benjamin, if you will remember, was the only son born in the promised land. Benjamin was the tribe from which Saul, the first king, came from. Paul is writing, whose name was Saul originally, and his name was changed. So, whenever there was a parade, Benjamin, that tribe, was the first to march. When he says, I'm of that tribe, he says, you know what, I'm at the top. It's like saying, I'm not only just an American, I'm from Florida. Okay? So he's really, look, you you think you got it? Let me tell you, I was circumcised eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded Israelite. Not only that, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Take that. 
a real Hebrew if there ever was one. What that probably means is this. His family spoke the Hebrew language as he grew up. Now, a lot of the Jewish families in the Roman world, a lot of people in the world this time, converted from speaking Hebrew and went into speaking Greek. But he's saying here, we spoke Hebrew in our home. We never lost sight of who we were. We, we, we are religious. You know, we have kept it from the time I was little all the way through my home life. Here I am. This is who I am, and this is what I've done. So, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees. <laughs> now, the Pharisees were the religious superstars of the day. There was never more than 300 of them. And they were the men that were held in high esteem of all of Israel. So he had achieved the top layer of living in the Israel community. A Pharisee. I'm one of the big boys. I was there. I did that. And then he says who demanded, <laughs> demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. <laughs> These guys didn't cut anybody any slack. Remember was Jesus' problem? They always were keeping, you got to do this, you got to do this, got to do this. And Jesus said to them, look, all you're doing is laying burdens on people. I came to set that free. <laughs> they just made things hard. Strictest obedience to, to that law. Then, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Paul was a Gentile hitman. And so he would get letters from people to give him the right to go kill anybody who was going against Judaism. So not only was at the top, now he was a hired gun. <laughs> I keep everybody in line. You know, I, I, I'll keep the rules and everything. Here's what you learn. Some of the most bitter, hateful, ugly people that you know are also some of the most religious people that you know because they got all the rules. Now, don't look at me like that because you got them. Well, it should look like this. You should be doing this. You shouldn't be talking like that. You should be dressing like that. Church should look like this. Everything should be like that. And we all have our own little thing, don't we? Come on. We all have, this is the way it's got to be. And if I see it, they're wrong. I need to set them straight. We'll just pause for a moment and... We're zealous. Oh, this is, you've got to have this. This has got to be done this way. This is the way you should do things. We've all got our list. And Paul says, look, I was so zealous. And then he goes on, he makes an incredible statement. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. <laughs> At this time, 
there's probably over 600 laws. And Paul says, I've kept all the rules, I've kept all the laws, and if you want to find somebody who knows how to keep the rules, he's your guy. (laughs) Argue with that. These people are coming in trying to preach their gospel, trying to deal with the legalism things, trying to do, you know, mix the two together. And Paul says, look, you guys think you got it? Let me just tell you who I am. Top that. And none of them could. None of them had a thing to say. None of them could do anything about it. Verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable. I once thought all my rules were valuable. I once thought the way I think things should be done was valuable. But now I consider them worthless. Some phrases and versions would even say garbage. Because of what Christ has done. Paul said, all of that that I did with thinking I was right and thinking I had it all together was worthless. I wasted my time. I was going down the wrong road. There was no joy in it. It was garbage. And at some point, we have to put aside our list, our rules of how things have to be done And the church and Christianity isn't built on you keeping rules. It's built on how you love others. And if the rules get in the way of your love, your rules are wrong. Paul said it. (laughs) It's worthless. But were the accomplishments that bring joy. Were the accomplishments that bring joy. So here's what he does. He says, I did all that. I was all of that. You can't top that. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. You see, what happens is your rules and your laws get in the way of people coming to Christ. Because you're more interested in seeing something on the outside than what's going in on the inside. Love deals with the inside. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, by keeping the rules, by doing the things that I've established and believing that this is what has to be done. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. This classic, I want to know Christ. 
I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Wow. That's a powerful passage. So, in that passage, three things that really matter. Number one, a relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's what he says. Everything else is worthless compared to the infinite value. You can't put a price on it of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. The most valuable thing you have in life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's more valuable than anything else. The most valuable thing you can help others with is having them have a relationship with Jesus Christ, even if it gets in the way of your rules. Secondly, a righteousness that comes from Christ. Righteousness means I'm right with God. It's being right in my relationship with him. Jesus came and died for that. He couldn't do it by keeping the rules. It's by being declared not guilty before God. When I stand before God because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, I am righteous. I am in right standing with God. Why? Because he declares me not guilty. Everything else is self-righteousness. That's what the rules are, the laws are. It's self-righteous. I think I know better. I think I know what's needed. I think I have the right way. I think I'm the one in charge. Paul says he's found real righteousness. It's not look at me and look at what I'm doing and look at what I say. Look at Jesus and look at what he did for me. Righteous. I'm right before God because of our relationship with him. You and I don't have to live with guilt. He came to set us free. And a resurrection from the dead. I don't want to know just about Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know what it means to live by his power and not mine. My power results in legalism. His power results in freedom and in joy. It's more than just a relational thing of being close to him. He has the power of flowing through my life. Think about this. In you right now as a Christian, the power of God resides. And the Bible tells us that that power will one day bring us up out of the grave. Now, that's a lot of power. And I live by that power. Not by my power, but by his power. Might involve some suffering, he says. It might involve having to go through some things. But I just want to know Christ. Because nothing else really matters. All the accomplishments and everything else that I sometimes think are really, they aren't. I want to know him. I, I, I really want to know that righteousness that I can have because of him and who he is and what he's done for me. And I want to one day 
rise from the grave and live with him forever. And that's what he says. So what a great passage to know what really matters in life. Whatever happens, rejoice. There's a righteousness that we have because of Christ. There's a closeness that we have and our future is certain. We have something to rejoice about. Share that joy and live in it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for the realization that Paul came to. In and of our flesh, we do nothing. All we do is make things harder when we start to impose. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.